Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news, but I need your help. I was nominated for a Webby Award, which for those of you who have been listening to this podcast for more than two years might remember I was nominated for two years ago and tried desperately to win the People's Choice Award then, which I didn't. Um, But at that time, I was like going to the guy at Joe and the Juice behind the counter asking him to vote for me and anyone I could. So now I'm coming to all of you to ask you to please vote for Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to win the People's Choice Webby Award for Best Live Podcast. If you go to vote.webbyawards.com, again, that's vote.webby, W-E-B-B-Y, webbyawards.com, and then go to the little magnifying glass search thing on the upper right, All you have to type in is search my name or entry and just type in moms and it will come up. And then you can click on the best live podcast recording nominee and vote for me. Also, by the way, I won honoree for best influencer, which is crazy. Anyway, thank you for voting. I really, really would appreciate it. I would love to win the People's Voice Award, especially after trying so hard and failing two years ago. So if you could just take a few minutes and vote, I would be so grateful. You could email me after if you want at info at zibbyowens.com and I will say thank you to you via email myself because I'm so grateful. So email me if you've done it, um, post about it. Um, I'm just, I would be so grateful. Thank you. Hi, this is Zibby Owens and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight 
and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time To Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. I loved talking to Stephanie Butnick, who is the author of the newish Jewish encyclopedia from Abraham to Zabars and everything in between. Stephanie is a deputy editor at Tablet Magazine and a host of the Unorthodox podcast, which she had me on before I launched my book, Moms Don't Have Time To. And I had the best time talking to her and was so excited to have her back on my podcast. She and her podcast co-hosts wrote The Newish Jewish Encyclopedia, and she also helped edit Tablet's first book, The 100 Most Jewish Foods, a highly debatable list. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for coming on Moms No Time to Read Books to discuss The Newish Jewish Encyclopedia from Abraham to Zabars and everything in between. Thank you so much, Debbie. It's weird for you to be interviewing me now. Like I'm like a little stressed. (laughs) I don't know what the questions are. I don't have notes in front of me. Like it's weird for me to be on this side of things. (laughs) I'm sorry. You don't need any notes. I know. I've loved being on Unorthodox, the tablet podcast. And you, of course, are like Miss Tablet, Miss Tablet everything. And now part of this book. And I'm just so impressed with all the things you're doing. So actually, why don't we start there before we talk about this particular book? Tell me about your whole journey with Tablet and how you've been in it since the beginning. And in the introduction, it says you're basically running the show of the whole company. So <laughs> let's let's hear a little bit more about that. Well, my boss and Tablet's founder, Alana Newhouse, wrote that introduction. So she's a very, very wonderful mentor to me. And I think she's exaggerating a little bit, but I'll take it. Um, so I've been Tablet now for 10 years, which in media time is like centuries. But I really, really love it. It's it's a wonderful place. It started about two years before I got there. And it's just an online Jewish publication that is thought-provoking and smart. And there's, you know, there's stuff about arts and culture and lifestyle. And there's essays. And there's, you know, of course, stuff about Israel and the Middle East. And there's news. But it, but it has sort of a, everything. And, and, you know, we just have this amazing readership who really, really care about Jewish things. And so about five years ago, we decided to start this podcast called Unorthodox. And the idea was it would be sort of like, you know, these these conversations we were having in our office, maybe other Jewish people or non-Jewish people were interested in the same things, were sort of talking about the same things as they come up. And so two of my colleagues, Mark Oppenheimer and Leah Leibowitz, started this podcast called Unorthodox. You were on the show. I got to interview my, you myself, which we're doing more and more these days because everything is over Zoom. But And we interrupt each other too much for like <laughs> three people to interview one person on a Zoom. It's crazy. It's chaos for a Jewish podcast in the pandemic. But, you know, we started this podcast because we just sort of thought maybe people want to hear these Jewish conversations. And I'm still surprised because it, it just blew up beyond our wildest expectations. And we have all these people who say, you know, I don't do anything Jewish. I just listen to your podcast once a week. Or like, I don't live near my family. I don't live near a synagogue. I would never go to a synagogue, but I do this one thing each week. And it's been really, really inspiring. And so that sort of leads us to the book, which I'm so excited to talk about. But people sort of had a lot of questions. And, you know, you don't want to like Google Jewish stuff. Like, you don't, you're not going to get good answers. You're going to go to weird places. Like, you don't, there's not that many authorities on things. And so what we were finding was that we had these amazing listeners who would reach out to us and be like, what do I do for Shabbat? Like, how do I have a Shabbat dinner? What do I need? Do I need anything special? And we're like, not really. I mean, maybe candlesticks and a challah, but um, we were having people sort of ask us questions or, you know, I'm, I'm dating someone Jewish. I'm going to my first bris. What happens there? What do I do? What do I say? What do I bring? And so we sort of were finding that people had all these 
somewhat basic, but also somewhat existential Jewish questions, and they didn't know where to go for them. And we were always tickled that they were coming to a Jewish podcast because we're not experts. We're journalists. We have, you know, different guests on the show, but, but we realized we sort of wanted to give these people what they wanted, which was sort of like a more foundational undergirding in like all things Jewish. Amazing. Well, it was funny because I was reading it sort of like from start to finish. And I was like, well, it's, you know, my husband was asking me what it was about. And I'm like, well, it's like an encyclopedia, but it's really funny. And he's like, well, what do you mean it's funny? And I was like, it's just funny. It's like, (laughs) so it's, it's great. There's like so much character and everything. And as you were saying, by the way, about interrupting, you had this whole section in here on Deborah Tannen's quotes about how, and she was actually on this podcast too, about how even in her book from 1990, she was talking about how Jewish people tend to interrupt. And of course, it's not just Jewish people interrupting, but this is such a part of it. And I suddenly felt like so validated because like that's the thing I try so hard to work on. I'm constantly interrupting people. So I, especially on the show, I have to always be like, don't interrupt, like wait for people to finish, you know. <laughs> but you know, and I, I stop myself from interrupting you. I think it's a sign of excitement and engagement. And she calls it like cooperative overlapping. Yeah. And I think it's it's almost the biggest sign of respect you can do to interrupt someone being like, yes, 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 that's exactly right, you know? And so it's funny, but my, the thing we hear from people is like, I like listening to your show because I feel, I call it the je ne sais quoi. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm listening to a Jewish conversation, like at a Shabbat table, people interrupting and loud and boisterous. My husband listens to all podcasts on like 1.5 or 2, oh my 2x gosh. speed. And he's like, I cannot listen to you. I mean, he barely listens to us anymore after the pandemic because we've spent every day together for a year. But now he's like, he's just like, I can't listen to your podcast on, I have to listen to it on one, like one X because you guys talk too fast. You talk very quickly. I have to say, I mean, I well, love it. I, I love it. That's like a pet peeve when someone speaks so slowly. I'm like, come on, come on, come on. But you, you do definitely have a quick voice, but I love it. Well, I have two co, I have two chatty co-hosts that I need to like get a word in edgewise. I talk so fast now, but you know, it's, it's funny. We, we hear from a lot of people who's conversion rabbis, who's rabbis who are helping them through the conversion process or who are leading their, you know, Judaism 101, like getting the foundationals before they start a conversion, wherever they are in their journey. People say, you know, listen to this show because you'll sort of hear a Jewish conversation. And that to me was just like this amazing validation because I love that idea that like you can live wherever, but just like tune in each week and hear these just <laughs> kind of crazy people talk. I mean, it's us. We're, we're crazy. I'm talking so fast. You're right. No, I'm it's just fine. No, no, I'm, no, I love it. I'm not, it's not a criticism by any stretch. No, the podcast is amazing. As I told you, when I was on Unorthodox, I had people like coming out of the woodwork from all different parts of my life, this ex-boyfriend who hadn't reached out in forever. And like, oh my gosh, it was amazing. So your listenership, as you well know, is far and wide. And yes, the sense of Jewish geography, I think makes it strong, smaller. And as you say in here, there's sort of like seven degrees of separation or whatever how basically like every Ashkenazi Jew is related if you're 11th cousins or third cousins, that everybody sort of came from the same little towns and that we're all essentially related in some way, shape or form. (laughs) I love that. I mean, we talk a lot in a tablet of the show, like what to, are Jews, what are we a religion? Are we a tribe? Like whatever, are we a people? But I, I've heard this from someone, a family, this idea of a, we're a family. And I love that because like families fight and they get mad at each other and they yell and they interrupt, but they're they're sort of all connected. And so to me, like the fact that we are probably like you and I, we could put our things in the genealogical thing. We're probably not that far away is the crazy, like it, it really validates that, that idea. But, you know, 
it's funny for me, like I'm not a religious person. I'm a journalist. I'm really, I see I interrupted you. There we go. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I think it's important to say because, you know, I got to tablet. I studied religion in college. I did a graduate program in religious studies and journalism. I really, you know, I want to be a religion reporter and I sort of got at it sideways by serving a Jewish community and a Jewish audience. I mean, we have a lot of non-Jewish readers and listeners at tablet and unorthodox, but so for me, I, I sort of see myself as, does this, does this make sense to me? You know, like, do we, how do we say something that makes sense to someone who doesn't have the fluency, didn't go to a Jewish day school or a yeshiva? Like, how do we make this, this accessible to people? And that's what we really tried to do in this book. You know, one of my favorite things we do is we have two entries. One is for Aliyah and the other, but both for Aliyah. And one is for, you know, you, you get an Aliyah at, at synagogue. You get called up to the Bima during a bar mitzvah. The grandparents go, the parents, the aunts and uncles. It's like a whole probably drama behind the scenes of deciding the order. But um, <laughs> then there's this idea of making Aliyah, which is to move to Israel. And those words are pronounced differently. And for me, it was so important in this book to say, this is how you pronounce this one. And this is how you pronounce this one. And you don't have to get like, you don't have to feel uncomfortable that you might actually say the word wrong. And I always feel like, you know, people go to synagogue for the first time or also how about the fact that like temple, synagogue and shul are three words for the same thing. Temple is more traditionally reform. If you're reform Judaism, like you have a reformed Jewish temple, conservative synagogue, orthodox shul. And those words are kind of interchangeable, but they're kind of not. And I think that there's sort of a, a really fun blueprint we could we could provide for people. And again, like fun is the key here. Like if this book was, I know the new Jewish encyclopedia, so we're the newest Jewish encyclopedia, but the new Jewish encyclopedia is like a 24 volume leather bound book that we have in our tablet offices because someone had it in their mother's storage unit and she was cleaning it out and didn't want it anymore. I got in an Uber and picked it up. And I was like, who's using this? This is not accessible at all. And so for me, the point is like the cover's bright, it's gold, it has sort of like funky lettering. I love and it. I love to it. me, it's like, this needs to be fun. I mean, that's the key, the, the key to the podcast. It's like, we trick you, right? We're having a fun conversation. And actually, wait, I've just spent 40 minutes listening to like a Jewish conversation. And I think that that's what we're trying to do with this book is like, you you can be proud of being Jewish. You can have fun with it. You can do it. You could dip in one page at a time. You could go from start to finish. I mean, to me, it's so important to what I do to like show people that this isn't just like sad history and bad things happening to Jews, even though there's a ton of that. <laughs> and it's in this book, but like there's so much more fun that I feel like we don't have permission to enjoy. And so that's the goal of the book. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, 
be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything, it might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. It's like the Jewish sense of humor and the smart, witty friend who like would be at your table. That's this book. And it's such a great resource. I mean, first of all, everybody who's Jewish should own this book, A. And Thank B, you. you're welcome. <laughs> this is also something that like every bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah gift should include. Like this is just such a natural thing. Like what should I get? Should I get her a silver bracelet? Do I have to give her money? Whatever. Anyway, this book, <laughs> like perfect gift. So that's just like should be on everyone's list. But there were so many funny things. And I know I keep saying funny. It's also like really relevant and and some of it is very poignant and everything. But like even like look at how you did these Monopoly cards for all the different banks in the whole like Jews and finance section. I mean, each one like Lehman Brothers that looks like, you know, Park Place and Bear Stern. <laughs> and, you know, Ben Bernanke and Goldman Sachs and Lloyd Blankfein. I mean, it's hilarious just the way you formatted everything. And then, of course, like Ode to Nora Ephron, who's like my favorite author, creator ever, ever, ever. And all the different people that you point out who are Jewish and even like Carrie Fisher, who's like half Jewish. And what's that? We'll take her. You'll take her. I know. It's just so funny, all of it. The Munich Olympics and the Maccabee Games. I mean, it's everything that you need. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, this is also so relevant, this Passover section. So I'm definitely like, you know, Passover, as we're recording this, is coming up this weekend and will extend, obviously, for forever. Forever. <laughs> forever. <laughs> uh, my annual, like, carb-free, you know, reset where I'm like, okay, God has put me on a diet. I got it. I got the message loud and clear. But just every, you know, it's Gwyneth Paltrow, so funny. So I noticed in the back you had a thousand collaborators on this, including, by the way, Sarah Oreste, who yes. I went to college with at back in the day, who's like amazing. amazing. Yeah, she was like really good friends with a good friend of mine who I ended up dreaming about last night, probably because of this. Anyway, <laughs> how did you put this whole thing together with these, what, 20, 30 contributors and, and make it into this book? It was a nearly impossible task. We worked with this amazing publisher, Artisan Books, and they do they do beautiful books a lot. They do a lot of incredible cookbooks that you everyone listening probably has on their shelves. And so it was really important to us to say, like, this is going to be a beautiful book. We're going to have it's it's going to look primarily like an encyclopedia, right? That's what the pages look like. But then we're going to have sort of these like breakout things about Jews in Hollywood, Jews in banking, Jews in the garment industry, you know, Hollywood, like just have sort of fun Jews and feminism, Jews in the 60s, have these sort of like breakout essays that really do break up the book. And so what we did was sort of go through our Rolodex, right? Who have we had on the show that's been really interesting? We had Sarah Arawestig on singing Ladino for us, which is a Sephardic Jewish language that I didn't know, I didn't really know about. And so as, you know, as an Ashkenazi Jew whose family is from 
Eastern Europe. I mean, she came on and sang, sang to us. And so we were like, you know, we need to include Ladino. We have this page. It's sort of, it's called How to Curse in Jewish. Mm-hmm. And so we have, we have Ladino, we have Esperanto, we have Hebrew, we have Yiddish, you know, we have, and so we, it was important to us to show the range of the Jewish geographical historical experience. So then we said, you know, who's our favorite food writer? And so we brought on this amazing woman, Gabri- Gabriella Gershenson, and we said, who are the six food figures that belong in this book? We took, we went to one of our great friends who is a sports writer and said, who are the, like, you, you okay, you're going to do the Jews in sports page and you put, you make your Hall of Fame. And we went to Jordan Hoffman, who's a great movie, right, film critic and film reviewer. And we said, okay, you're, you're on Jews in Hollywood. Like that's, that's <laughs> you give us, and then give us like the, 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 the breakdown of the five different types of Holocaust movies. Like just y- you go with that. And so of course everything gets edited and we wrote a bunch of it, but we really said we want to sort of, we sort of outsource to experts in our, in our world. And we found that, I mean, people, it was people we knew, people we didn't know. I had this great professor in South Africa write the essay on Jews in the garment industry because he had written a great book about it. And so I was like, you just summarize this for us, right? Like, you you know, you are the expert. I'm never going to pretend to be the expert on all this stuff. And so we put it together and it's sort of this, I want to say a mishmash. One of the debates on our shows, if, it, if it's pronounced mishmash yeah, or mishmash, mishmash yes. <laughs> people get very heated about it. But so, you know, what it ended up with because the book is alphabetical. So my favorite page, I will tell you, is page 149, which starts with Billy Joel. I'm going there. And goes 149, 149. (laughs) So Billy Joel, like, I guess I kind of knew he was Jewish, but then he like wore a yellow star on stage after Charlottesville at Madison Square Garden. And you're like, well, that's a big Jewish act. And then we have Scarlett Johansson, who's a Jewish actress. Then we have Al Jolson and Jonah, you know, like the guy that was in the whale and then Joseph. And so it's like, you're going to go on any page from like the biblical to the pop culture, to the serious, to the hit, to the funny, to the sad. I mean, we wanted to get that mix of like, just what happens when you put all the K's together. Like what words are going to end up? I think Kristallnacht is on the same page as Krusty the Clown. And so you're just sort of like, that is the Jewish experience. It's textured, it's rich, it's weird. There's things next to each other that doesn't, you know, don't necessarily make sense. But, but it's all there on the same page. And I feel like that's what we're trying to do is sort of say, like, we're all on the same page, my, even if we disagree. My favorite sequence of terms here is on page 260, where you start with <laughs> swastika. Next yes. to sweater, did you bring one? Next to sweet and low, which, by the way, I didn't even know that story. I'm just going to read that in a second, by the way. And then synagogue, which, of course, goes back to your earlier conversation. So here's what you wrote about sweet and low, by the way. While running a cafeteria in the Brooklyn Navy Yard, Benjamin Eisenstadt invented the sugar packet but neglected to patent it. Then, in 1957, together with his son Marvin, he invented the pink-packaged artificial sweetener that we still love and use today. Who knew? The crazy thing is, so the author, Rich Cohen, like, this is his family. And so he has, like, this whole thing about his family's, and there's, like, a big drama. I mean, it's crazy. So it's really fun, the stories you you can uncover. And I don't know. I mean, to me, it was such a fun experience. I mean, it was chaos to put this together. I had It was me and Mark and Liel, our three the three co-hosts were the three co-authors, co-editors, and we obviously wrangled a bunch of amazing collaborators. And then, you know, at a certain point, we had to turn it into the publisher. And the, the book is, it's, it's, it's a coffee table size book, but it's not enormous, right? It's not an encyclopedic volume. It's, we sort of had to put a deadline on it. And we could have gone forever and ever and just kept adding things. And we'll do reprints, we'll do reissues and stuff like that, because things do change. But, you know, it's funny, the conversations we had, like, I fought to get, like, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel in there, which yeah. my co-host said, are people going to care about that in five years? And yes! I, like, I don't, yes, I, I don't know for sure, but it's so important right now. This is such an amazing, fun to 
depiction of Jewish life on screen right now and one of the most popular shows. And so we sort of had these funny debates of like, who gets into this canon? The pe- like, of course, Joan Rivers is going in there, but you know, what about Abby and Alana from Broad City? I mean, there's sort of a really fun, it, it mirrored the conversations I think a lot of us are having about like what will stand the test of time. So it was a crazy project, but it was so, so fun. And you even had the section on people who you think are Jewish, but are not Jewish. Yep. That was like a, Alan Alda. Yeah. Who, I mean, I was, I would have said for sure. And Jason Biggs, he's really not Jewish. I was nope. like, I have to Google this. This can't be right. He's not Jewish. His wife is Jewish, which is amazing. <laughs> You're just like, everyone must think he's Jewish. Yeah. No, you never, I mean, I just, I don't, I'm okay. All right. I'll let it go. Sometimes though, I feel like you don't necessarily believe people's like roots sometimes get mixed up and the yeah. things and you never know. And anyway, well, it's amazing that you guys had fun while you were doing it. Cause you can tell there's so much spirit. And, you know, I knew when I said earlier, I was like, I I had a feeling you were going to talk about your how religious you are because I feel like every Jewish person always says, well, I'm not that religious, but, or like, you know, I'm not that religious or not everybody. I mean, a lot of Jewish people are very religious, but no, most people do say, I know exactly. It's like a throat clearing thing to be like, I'm not weird. Don't worry. Right. Or like, you know, I love my kids, but I'm going to complain <laughs> about them. Do you know what I mean? Like, of course we know you're, you love your kids. And most people for being Jewish, which you talk about in different like ways, shapes and forms in the book is not about how often you go to temple and how much you observe it because it's just part of who you are. It's like a cultural, it's such so much more a cultural thing for so many people. And that's why like a cultural reference guide like this is so apt. I mean, the thing is, we really do want to give you the information. Like when you mentioned the Passover page, we have these like patent pending religiometers at the top of the page. And Passover is like a five all the way at the end of the, you know, tipping the scales. Hanukkah is like a one or a two. And what we're trying to say is like, we're going to show you what these holidays are about. I think everything, every holiday says, like, any bad guys? What do we eat? And we're going to explain the holidays to you. And we are really serious about Jewish history. You're going to get a lot of history. You're going to get a lot of, of, of religion in from this book. But, yeah, I mean, we're, we skew cultural. I mean, the thing is, I guess I did do that as, as a way of, sh- like, telling your listeners, like, this is fun. I'm not trying to make you religious. And it's totally, it's totally a tick and it's, like, a defensive thing. But I think, I don't know. I mean, I think... What I'm trying to telegraph is that it's okay wherever you fall on the spectrum. You know, we we obviously, as I said, we hear from people who don't do Jewish things but love the show. We also hear from Orthodox Jews who say, you know, I listen to your show to get a more diverse perspective of Jewish mm. voices than I get in my shul. You know, like we actually have people. And that's why, to me, it was important to put Scarlett Johansson on the same page as Joseph and Jonah. Because if you're religious and you look at this book, you're like, of course Joseph's here. Of course Jonah is here. We all know the whale and Technicolor Dreamcoat. Why Scarlett Johansson here? So the idea is that on any page, you're going to get a diversity of viewpoints and something is going to surprise you. Something's going to make you wonder why it's in here. Something might make you mad. I mean, that's the whole point of this, right? It's sort of an invitation to a million conversations. And the, the fun thing is when people write in and say, "Is why didn't you put this in the book? And we're like, oh my God, great idea. We, I, we had to stop at some point, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so what are we going to, you know? So yeah, I mean, I think it's all about that conversation. But I hear you. I, th- I think that's that's totally true. People say that all the time. Like, it's fine. Don't worry. I'm not going to like try to make you be more religious or anything like that. But so I'm not. Stephanie, tell me a little more about you as you, not just you as host and you as writer and you as, you know, religious studies expert and <laughs> journalist and all of that. Like what, what do you do on the weekends? Like what do you, what's your, what are some of your favorite things to do that aren't work? That's a funny question. Do you, I forgot that there are things that you can do. Like, it's funny, you know, even I feel like you must feel the same way. You're like, wait, who am I when I'm not hosting a podcast? What do I talk about in real life? <laughs> How do I have a conversation with someone without like 
peppering them with questions as though I'm interviewing them. <laughs> in real life, I don't know. What do, what do I do? I, I don't do Jewish things, which is very funny. You know, like I don't really observe Shabbat. Like I think that would be a nice idea, but I'm just like, I'm done at the end of the week. You know, when you work at a Jewish magazine, by the time the holidays roll around, you're like, I've been thinking about Passover for six weeks at least trying to get our coverage ready. Like, I'm not supposed to do this now. So what do I do in my t real life? I have a wonderful husband. He's a sports reporter. And so there's sports going on in our house a lot. Sports on the TV. We have a crazy cat. I I love I love reading. I love writing. It's, it's you know, it's, you know, when you read a lot for a for work, for a show, it's hard to find things. It's important, I think, to find things that are like so unrelated but that's what I struggle with, like reading for fun. And that's why I love your show so much, because it's like just a nice little window into all these books that I might not have heard about otherwise. So what are you, what are you reading now? What am I reading now? Well, there's a book, it's a Jewish book, but it's this amazing memoir by this guy, Menachem Kaiser. It's called Plunder. And it's basically how he goes, I'm, I'm doing an event with him. And so this is a work-related thing technically, but it was such a good book. It's, it's he basically picks up his grandfather's property restitution claim. His grandfather passed away before he was born. And he goes back to Poland and tries to figure out like what where this building was that his family owned. Did they live there? Who lives there now? I mean, it's all about that. And then there's like this whole other interweaving story about these people who basically look for like Nazi looted treasure. And there's supposedly like all these tunnels underneath Poland with like a, a train made of gold. And so like, the, but the stories weave together in a really seamless way. And so I was found myself being really captivated by it. And he goes out of his way to say like, this isn't your typical book by a grandson of Holocaust survivors. I mean, to me, it was just a fascinating look at modern Poland, descent, you know, like intergenerational trauma. Yeah. That's a, that's a book that I've been really, really excited about. Have you read Julie Metz's new book? It's called Eva and Eve or Eve and Eva. It's so no, good. And it's about her mom grew up in Vienna and it does this, this amazing like pre-Holocaust depiction of Vienna and what it's like to be a girl there and also a businessman there because her grandfather was like a huge businessman and they eventually get out, but you, sh you see them through the war and then it comes back to like modern day and her interactions with her daughter and going back to Vienna. And I love that. it's really good. Like you said, like, it's not a typical memoir about like, a, you know, a grandson. I, I feel that way about this book. I felt like it was something really new, a new way to do it. And just so visual. It felt like a movie to me. So anyway, put that on your list. I love that. More Jewish books. Add them to my list. I know. Sorry. <laughs> Judy Battalion's new book. Have you read? Yes. Okay. What a great spread she got. I know. I couldn't times. believe it. I was like, oh my gosh, amazing. So great. Well, what advice would you have for aspiring authors, not just for this, but for the magazine and everything that you're doing that's also literary and Jewish and just amazing? So let's say there's someone out there. How would you inspire them? What could you say? What advice would you give? You know, the thing I, I always say, because I do every time a young journalist emails me and says like, i interested in this or I'm a college senior. I'm, I'm like, I mean, in the olden days, I would get coffee with them. I wouldn't, I never, I know, I never say no to that. I sh probably shouldn't be saying this on your show, but to me, it is so important and to, to sort of, so many people did that for me when I was coming up and it's, I will give you all my time basically to people who, who are interested. And obviously that's something that you are quite familiar with as sort of the, the trailblazer in that, in that, in that world. But, you know, what I say now is, you know, when I was in college, you had to, I mean, this wasn't that long ago, but you had to write for the student newspaper if you wanted to get clips. Now you do not have, I mean, you could do that still, but there are so many ways. I said, I tell people, I'm like, just write, write anywhere. It doesn't matter. Send me your medium clips. Send me anything you've written because 
you can just write wherever now. You don't have to wait to get in. The gatekeepers don't exist in the same way anymore. And so you don't need to like wait for that New York Times clip to reach out to someone else. You sort of you sort of start with the self-published clip that you send to someone that gets you somewhere, then you get to the next place. And so to me, there's just such a wide open field of opportunity for people now. And that's exciting. I mean, I I felt like I missed like I missed the 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 the, the beat on my freshman year of college to get on the newspaper and then by sophomore year it's too late and then I was like graduating and I all of a sudden I was like I want to be a journalist what do I do and so I think now it's so easy to do that and so I mean so many of the the people that I like and the people that I read I mean it's like you just start publishing yourself and then you you go from there so to me I'm that's a very optimistic view of all of this I also caution people who want to get into journalism right now that it's really dicey it's really hard it's hard to get a full-time journalism job I feel really lucky to have one and have had one for so long I mean I just sort of tell people like you know think about if you're comfortable freelancing think about if you want to get a, a, a real job and then do this on the side think about what that actually will mean do you want to be on your computer at night after you've just done a full day's work I mean it's really it's really hard and I don't know I just trying to encourage people to find their their little points of access. I mean, I'm very specific. I mean, I basically made myself like completely unmarketable by the time I graduated college and grad school being like, I write about journalism and I I do journalism about religious studies. But you have (laughs) the perfect But I found a place. So, I mean, I think that to me, people who have really specific sets of interests are really interesting and they are experts in them, right? Because they know more than anyone else in that newsroom about that thing. So to me, I'm always sort of telling people to like find their their niche and, and, and just really double down on it. Amazing. Last question. What's next for you? Any new projects aside from this and everything you're already doing that we should be aware of? So something at Tablet we're focusing on, which I'm heading up, is more podcasts because we love the fact that there are so many people who want to listen to good Jewish podcasts. So uh, you were on our, our newest show, Anxiously, which is a really fun look at, you know, a weekly look at our two amazing hosts' anxieties from the trivial to the existential. You were helping them talk about time management. By the way, your tips were so helpful. I actually have been thinking about them a lot lately. So I like knowing that you record your intros all at once. Yes. On Tuesday mornings. Yes. I love that idea. Go for it. But so we're, we're, we have a bunch of new podcasts coming. We're working on a show about Jews and sports. We're working on a narrative nonfiction, like big, heavy-hitting podcast. We have so much stuff coming from, we're calling it Tablet Studios. So we have a lot coming from Tablet Studios, Tablet more broadly, unorthodox, everything. Love it. Oh my gosh, amazing. Stephanie, thank you so much. This was so much fun. I could talk to you all day. And Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you. It is an honor to be part of this pantheon of guests that you've, you've assembled. It's really exciting. All right. Well, have a great Passover. (laughs) Thanks. You too. Okay. Enjoy that matzah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 